You're listening to Punk Theology. PunkTheology.com. Punk Theology Podcast at gmail.com is also a way that you can get in touch with us, the punks on the show. We'd love to read your email on the podcast and respond to it as well. So this is episode 10. We're glad you're listening and kicking it off. And I grew up in the Midwest, and I, conservative, red state, youngin, grew up just accepting everything my parents taught me. And I realized a lot of that holds together. They don't just stand on their own. Right. And so one of the things about rattling them is if you haven't built a good structure, you your Jenga tower falls down real easy. Right. And that's where I think people's real sensitivity gets involved. I'm going to start putting pieces back together by choice now with what I know and understand today because I got too... I tried so hard to hold it all together for so long that when it collapsed, it was spectacular. So there's groups that do this. That is a great place to be, by the way. It is an awesome place to be. Well, that was a place a while ago now. Right. That was a couple still years a good ago, place but, oh, to be. I it, it was glad. miserable. I've said that in so many recovery groups. But it was like, free. I just feel like everything I know is just falling apart. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> now we can start. <laughs> That's great. You know, It's a scary place to be. It, it is. It is funny. Getting out of it is amazing. Chuck, yeah. So I've decided that I just need to be more forceful and interrupt you fuckers. <laughs> 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 yes, yes. We're too late. So, so shut the fuck up and listen. He just puts his relief that he should be polite. So, dual mics tonight. We're trying to uh, upgrade this here podcast to make it sound a little better for you all. As I slide this place down for you. Uh, yeah, so this podcast, we were kicking around the idea of humorous nihilism. We kind of ended the last show on uh, the topic of understandings, you know, some philosophy on are we all just, you know, sitting around? What, what is that, that line in that Green Day song? Uh, do you have the time to listen to me whine? <laughs> Is that what we're doing? No! Uh, That's not the one about masturbation. Uh-huh. No, yeah. no. masturbation <laughs> You're fucking lonely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's lack of sex that's bringing Free me down. Yeah. 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 I went to a shrink to analyze my dreams. Anyway, I don't know where, where I was going with that. Um, out of the gray, thinking about titling this. I'm just, we don't even have a title yet. We're just kicking this thing around. Anyway, Chuck, how are you doing, man? After last week, I wanted to 
check in with you a little bit. My listeners are going, how's Chuck? I'm alive. Nice. Uh, so there's a couple things that I have had issues with this last week. Uh, one of them is the starting to get into some of these feelings. And a portion of me is getting into the where I was when I just wanted to end it, um, end my life. And mm-hmm. that scares me. But I, I'm in a different place now, uh-huh. and so it's not it's not entertaining the idea, not feeding that thought. Um, yeah, I I didn't sleep well that night last mm-hmm. week, uh, but it was a good thing. Um, so, just processing still. Nice. It's a good thing, though, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thing. Very good thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Very good. Um, it's got a long ways to go still. Yeah. You were talking about a little bit earlier how many people, you know, kind of were going, thanks. Like you didn't expect that. Yeah. And that, it was, it really threw me for a loop because um, I didn't expect it. I didn't think that me sharing my story would help other people. I mean, not, not that you guys don't need any help. Um, I just didn't expect it. And it <coughs> I don't know, it was cool. It was really yeah. cool. And then it was just, it's love. I mean, the love that's in this room is, uh, it can be a bit much sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's great. The environment is safe and I know you guys love me and do anything for me. Yeah. So, thank you. Yeah. I just have gratitude for you sharing and yeah. being brave and yeah. and having the courage to put yourself out there and and it's it's humbling and it's an honor to have a a seat in in a glimpse into your life and and just uh, walking with you in that you yeah. know it's just an honor and it's humbling and I thank you for that I have a lot of gratitude for that it takes courage for you to do that. And, uh, so you're doing good work here. Yeah. 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 I think that's what's missing too in the, you know, we've always talked about not bad mouth in the churches. Um, so I go to a, this group. Some churches need bad mouth. Yeah, that's, kind of that's true. true. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, so I go to this group uh, once a month through our church and it, I would never be able to do any of this here. Or there, you know, it's sharing any of this crap. It's like no, not even close. Uh, there's one guy that I might share with, kind of on a personal level, just one on one. Like I have that relationship with them, um, but everybody else, it's like no way. I mean, they would just they love me, but not. It's different. Um, it's weird. Yeah, I struggle with that. You know, kind of Bible study. And I have for a while. And that's why I've always kind of gravitated towards recovery groups more, because there's just more people being real there. Um, Kind of the idea is, I mean, that's why I call Alcoholics Anonymous, right? I've talked about that before. (coughs) Hanging your ego at the door. Yeah. Title at the door. Um, I don't know if people do that in in Bible studies. Because there's a little bit of ego and... A bit of dick measuring on how much you know scripture, or <laughs> and I've even done that. Oh yeah, that story gets us out. You know, unless what the you know you don't do that, that. Theologian says, or you don't do that unless you're rush shot. 
So when Rush came in my community group, he was he was just fairly fresh, I think, off of where you were. And I think when you go through something like what Chuck you just went through, like all of a sudden going to like a Bible study, you're like, this is so much fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like I've had something so much better than this, and I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. Here's my shit, <laughs> like all over the table. Yeah. Like, what, what did you say, Russ? You said, hey, we want to get naked. I'll get naked. <laughs> you want to see all my shit? Let's let's go. And yeah. right. When yeah. Rush showed up to my community group, he was in I that see spot. That. I could see like, that. Fuck this. Here is my shit. This is what I'm dealing with. Yeah. We're not doing this Bible study format. We're not doing this community group format. We're going to really actually talk about what I'm thinking about, what I'm dealing with, because I don't got time for this bullshit. Yeah. And that's kind of where you were. Yeah. Right, John? And it was yeah, cool you guys didn't reject me either. Wait, I, was almost, that's right. that's, I was almost looking for that. Right. Like just you know, because that would just that would just you know fix everything I thought about church and about Christian community. You know, this is something I was on my way over here, and I had this thought, and this is almost like a weird answer to prayer in a weird way, because I remember years ago when I was going to off and on going to New Life Center, and thinking that you know, there's got to be other people in this world that think like I do about some of this stuff. No, that are just you know. Out of fucks, right? That are that are. If this is real, then why aren't we talking about what's freaking real and tangible, rather than what's, you know, some theologian said and what some doctrine says you should or ought to think? What is actually real? What is happening now? And I thought about this years ago. I remember thinking, you know, how cool would it be to just have friends in my own city? You know, because we were going to Ballard or whatever back then, and then we had Shoreline, and it was still like, how, how cool would it be to just have neighbors, people that are close by, that we just hang out with and talk about shit like this? So I wanted to thank you guys. This is just sort of like living the dream for me, you know? And like what you were saying when I, I entered into that community group, it was cool that you guys didn't judge me or try and put a lid on me. Where I have gratitude for spaces like this and friendships like like what we have and what we share is actually I've experienced Christian groups where one can walk in and share a fair bit about themselves. It's dark or vulnerable, but where it stops, where we don't go, okay, where it's not okay or acceptable is when you're struggling with the church thing or the God thing or the Jesus thing. And that's where it's like, whoa, yeah. Oh, we don't go there. I'll pray for you. Or, uh, wait, no, Jesus, the Bible, that's the truth. And if you question that, sorry, you can struggle with, you know, gay pedophilia. Oh, no, we've not pedophilia, or necrophilia, or whatever kind of, like, whatever. <laughs> whatever philia you want. Yeah, whatever Because, oh, because God can heal that. It's like, I don't know if I believe that. And, oh, well, wait, we don't go there. Whoa. Yeah. That's my experience anyway. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I, I kind of went there a little bit with Derek's group. Oh. If God's supposed to heal this, then, you know, yeah. like I've gone this far, which is cool, but why isn't this, why am I still anxious? Why am I, I've seen that. collect my thoughts. I've seen that backfire though. Like, it's good that you weren't turned on, but I've seen people get turned on. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's and yeah. it reverts back to, just resuscitation of the Bible says this, you must be sinning. <laughs> and repent, we'll pray for you. Like, no real empathy, just 
Well, Here, here's what little the Bible has to say yeah. on this. So, no. and, then, and then that's the beginning and end of all responses. And we we experience some of that too. And all of the and all of the Christianisms that people oh, yeah. have oversaid. What were you gonna say? The the will pray for you that triggers me so bad because it's are you praying that I find peace in what I'm after or are you praying that I'm going to just now believe what you believe and stop rebelling against whatever yeah. structure that you have built up. I feel like you can get brainwashed again. Yeah. Like, oh dear God, please let Chuck just get brainwashed and go back to being a little sheep. Yeah. Right? Maybe that's the question. <laughs> what what okay, maybe this is something we could throw out to listeners even. If somebody says that to you, how cool would it be to come back with a question what are you praying for specifically when you say you're going to pray for me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm really or curious. You, Just get curious. What is going to happen when you pray? Yeah. <laughs> is magic going to happen? <laughs> are all my problems going to get fixed? Yeah. We'll, we'll pray for Does that. Does that happen <laughs> for what you pray for regularly? <laughs> Tell me about the magic you've seen. Yeah, yeah. Going back to what you said earlier, um, about not being received well. My wife quit going to church, quit Christian community because of a, a another Marzell group. Um, and I'll you know I'll talk about sharing this later. <laughs> Crows are going crazy. See you out. We made the devil mad. <laughs> um, and it wasn't too far from here. Like I could walk to this person's house from here. But they told my wife and I to be quiet about this stuff. Like, because we were struggling with really heavy stuff. Now, you guys know my story. And well, you need to talk with that, about that with your counselor, you know. And some of it was the God stuff. Like, my life's like, you know, where was God when I was molested when I was six years old? Where was God then? Oh, we don't want to talk about that anymore. Talk about that with your counselor. And here's how stupid I was, and I look back, it's one of my regrets, is that I listened to the counselor that I was seeing at Mars Hill that said... You're, you're, you're a rebel and you don't listen to authority. You need to, you need to submit to your Christian authority. So I stayed with that group another month or so before I was out. And, yeah, you know, I was just not going to be a church hopper anymore. I was going to stick with this place. And it's not perfect and people aren't perfect and all the excuses I told myself. But, yeah, that was one of my big regrets that, you know, my wife's like, I ain't going back there. Like these people, they don't. No Christian, no Christian community is going to get what we've been through, and accept it, or understand it, or even try. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where she was at, and possibly where she's still at. And so you know what they teach you when someone's drowning to tell them to turn around so you can pull them in and they don't drag you under. Like, well, you don't. If someone's drowning, you don't talk to them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've I've been there. I was a lifeguard. Well, I mean, while they're struggling, not like no, you don't. Yeah, you try to get behind them. Yeah, yeah but, but you don't like. But you can be in danger because they'll yes. they'll pull you under. Yeah, and, and you want to get them in a basically yeah. like a Nelson, like a half Nelson. Or yeah. The the analogy that was taught to me when I first started was, uh, if you would throw a pencil to somebody that is struggling. They will hold on to it because it's floating. It's there. It will float. And it will keep them up. And you are much bigger than a pencil. And they will take you down. Yeah. And, and but the reason I bring that up is because 
And I, I believe this is why Russ was told to not talk about it. And I, and I have known very personally other people who were told not to bring their stuff into church groups like that is because most of the people that I know that are in most churches are barely floating. Yeah. And they're barely able to keep themselves alive. And so if you're drowning, they're just afraid you're going to take them all under with you. Mm-hmm. And so if, if, if their faith is barely floating and you're challenged to faith, if your struggle, if, you're, if, you're, if your place is so dark and what you're experiencing is so ugly and you can't see God there, they're afraid you're going to drown other people and take them with you. Mm. That's an interesting faith view, right? Because they're... Their faith isn't strong. And I, I had this one of my notes for this this conversation was religious lingo, you know. So we believe that God is all powerful and all, you know, has all these <laughs> has all these, you know. You're supposed well, to. Believe. You're supposed to believe that, yeah. But don't talk about that because that can, yeah, exactly. That can can be I one of those fears? Yeah, jump yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so this is where I've really been the last two weeks is exploring all these ideas, uh, and that's. A really interesting point that you bring up uh, the idea that God is all powerful and that's where I've really been exploring a lot lately and, and it came from so this is kind of where we're hoping our topic to be was, was cheerful nihilism and I was engaging the ideas of cheerful nihilism or, or sorry humorous nihilism uh, which is the idea that so it's basically the same thing as nihilism right the nihilism says God is dead life is meaningless there is no meaning you, what, you know, the only meaning is what you put into it, right? Um, and it, it comes to that conclusion by looking around us and realizing there's no, there's no such thing as an absolute. Everything is incongruous, like, right? Like you feel like you're heading into a place that's perfect, and then somewhere along the line, it doesn't fucking match up, right? Like it doesn't link. And every direction you go, every philosophy, every religion. Every faith, every belief at some point starts to break down and is not perfect. Uh, and so if that's true, uh, then it doesn't really matter what you believe, right? Right? Like it doesn't, like, like if everything is fucked, then it doesn't, like, so then it doesn't, well, I wouldn't say it doesn't matter what you believe, but if everything is fucked, it gives you permission to explore other beliefs, right? Because everything's screwed up. Right. So then we start to engage what John and I were talking about the other day, the idea of putting on beliefs and taking off beliefs. We come from a culture that somehow got to this point where we understand that the things we believe are set in stone within us, that we're born with a set of beliefs, and those, like, we like to think we're born with a set of beliefs that doesn't change through the rest of it, and we call that a personality, right? <laughs> right. Like, that's, that's our pers- just our personality. I believe this. There's nothing I can do about it. Uh, that's just who I am. Um, which, I'm, but there's tons of evidence to suggest otherwise, right? Like, I can get you to believe anything. Uh, and I think they you know, the CIA has demonstrated multiple times that if you put somebody under enough stress, you can get them to believe literally anything. You yeah, completely you strip them of their personhood, yeah. but you can get them to the point where they will believe anything you tell them to. Yeah, like um, these interrogations where right. people are led and they're just interrogated all day long until they finally confess to something they didn't do. Yeah. I, so I if that's that. true, then I have the freedom to explore different beliefs and put on a belief and look at it and explore it 
and take it off without any actions because it's in my or without any repercussions because it's in my head right mm-hmm. you can't legislate against somebody believing something you can only legislate against them acting on that belief right right you can't get in somebody's head and go ah you're believing something um that i'm not okay with um you can't do that so so it gives you the freedom in your own head to start to believe to explore the beliefs mm-hmm. so then the question is that john brought up like like i don't know if that that doesn't feel true Right, like it, there's some beliefs that I don't feel like I can just I can just move. So then we talk start to talk about the gradation of beliefs. There's gradations. So yeah. there's many most beliefs I'd say. You know, well, unpack that word first. Gradations. So gradations means there's a scale, right? Right. It's Different not levels. an ab- it's not an absolute. It's not dual dualistic. Right. There's not there's not I believe this and I don't believe this. Absolute truth and absolute falsehood. Right. Yeah, we don't even engage those things. Spectrum. We're talking about all of the scale in between those things, which is, you know, if you understand math is infinite, right? Or close to infinite. Um, and there's, there's, because <laughs> you can always break it down finer and finer and finer and finer. Right. Um, so that's what I'm talking about with creation. Um, where was I going? What was my last thing I said? Uh, belief. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so there's some beliefs that are more important than others. And so John and I talked about this too, and that idea is that there are some, yeah, 90% of beliefs, uh, don't really matter, right? Like you can put them on. We've had I've had this conversation with Chuck. You can put them on like a hat and take them off, and there's it doesn't affect you at all who you are as a person. So during uh, our, my conversation with uh, John the other day, a car drove by, and I said, "Can you believe that car was white?" He said, "Yeah, I can believe that car was white." Okay, now can you believe that car was red? Yes, I can believe that car was red. Like like he didn't see the car. Uh-huh. We we couldn't see. What it was looked like, but that's that's you know we call that imagination, it's right? Plausible, yeah. Or the other word for it that we learned as kids is make believe. Mm-hmm. So you can make yourself believe uh, all kinds of different things yeah. that don't affect you as a perfect person. You just jump from one to the other and kind of explore them. Right. So the question is, what about those beliefs that you don't want to dive into? And those are beliefs that we, from a young age, built our foundation of our identity on. Your identity is tied right. to them. So, right. so basically, so, all, so I like to picture uh, beliefs as orbs, right? As like spheres, crystal spheres or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and most beliefs are free-floating. And you can just put it in your head, explore it, take it out. Uh, but we have a lot of beliefs that we adopted as children that become the foundation of who we are as people, that are tied to our ego, to our value of our own selves. Right. Um, like inside out. Exactly. Yeah. It is exactly like inside out. So, but... Core we, belief. Core memory. Yes. Yeah. It is actually, it's like a core memory. Yes, but it's a core belief, right? Yeah. So you take this belief, and, and, and we take these all these beliefs, and we build this structure out of them, right? Um, and, uh, and one belief is tied to another. So if we shake one belief, it affects all these beliefs next to it, because they're all tied together in something that, that feels stable. Uh, because we need stability uh, uh, to interact with the world, right? Because it's our identity. Right. Um, and the question that John and I uh, were addressing is, uh, okay, that's true, and those are those are very foundational, and it hurts. It hurts us when we move those beliefs, right? Like that's what offense is, right? Is me reaching and grabbing that belief and shaking it a little bit, and you go, ah, like I don't like that. Like that is shaking the identity of who I am as a person. Please do not do that. Right. But the question is. Because it's, Arthur's drowning. Right. Hey. Yes, yes. So so that is what happens in when church. the belief structure isn't working and you're nearly drowning. Yeah. Right. Then when someone rattles that, now I am drowning. Yeah. Right, right. And I feel like I love drowning. that shit because then we get to truth. But right. anyway, go ahead. So, I what's true? 
So then the question is, so, but people do shift their core beliefs. Mm. It happens. It happens usually very slowly. And if it happens quickly, it's pretty dramatic. And, you know, things, you know, because it's a structure, so things fall out very quickly. And it can cause all kinds of drama and drama. That's actually when it really changes. Right. The other ones are all tiny minor changes. They're, they're like tweaks. Right. But well, when people really change their beliefs, it's usually because shit hit the fan and... The, the structure they built, the Lego castle, collapsed. Right. Yeah. So I'm exploring the idea, can you take one of those core beliefs that is really irritating to the rest of the other beliefs, right? And can you just start to really slowly push it forward and push it back and see what that feels like? How does that interact with those other beliefs around it? Right. Can I really slowly start to move that out of the structure. Adjust what it. does that look like, though? Because it's a Jenga puzzle there. It is a Jenga puzzle. <laughs> yeah. but here's, so here's where I, I challenge the Jenga puzzle, is that is that story with the guy in the... in the uh, the guy in the wheelbarrow. You've heard me right. say that, right? The guy, the tie rope walker who goes across the thing with the wheelbarrow, 200 pounds of weight in the wheelbarrow, goes all the way across, all the way back. The crowd's going, yeah! You think I can do it again? Yeah! Who wants to get in? So that's, so that's, that's my belief. That's my point on belief and actions. Yeah, yeah. So this exercise... Belief without actions, a belief is just a a thing. Right, exactly. And that's my point. That's my point. So you... This does not... This exercise does not require any action on your part other than moving things around structurally in your own head. Yeah. Which is... Which can... And it needs to be done either with someone very safe that you love and trust or... um, or done internally and then exposed to someone that you love and trust, right? Right. To work through this very carefully and very slowly. This is why I did it with your group. Because right. I kind of just came in. And I'm in sales. So I think being in sales gives you some sort of a tough skin. I had a fairly thick skin. So going in, when I said I was almost looking for rejection, just to prove, you know, yet another group will reject me. And when you guys didn't, that was great. But it was still, I'm bringing in... Fuck the beliefs. Where's the action? Where are things changing? Where are things moving? Right? That's where I live. Right. Like, I'm a, I am a purpose meaning guy. So maybe that's why where you and I rub against each other with the nihilism thing. Because I get, there's a, when, ni- when people say nihilism, a little part of me goes, like, I, I don't like it. It's like a bug I found in the corner. Well, I'll hope to get walk you to that spot. <laughs> <laughs> so stay with me. Well, look at the bug and get closer to right. it. So, so, and that's, that's the real purpose of this exercise. Because you have freedom to believe what you want and, and inside of your own head, you don't have to move anything structurally, right? You don't have to vibrate things back, or you don't have to take something and move it completely out. That doesn't have to happen. Right. What is valuable is to get inside of your belief structure and start to examine those belief structures. Okay, I have this set of beliefs right here. Does this belief and this, this belief and this belief over here don't mesh? When I put them together, they just logically bounce off of each other. Yeah. Why? Why is that? Why? And then, and then the question that comes up over and over and over again is, why do I want to believe that? This is part of my identity and who I am. Why do I... But, but I have control. I am the master of my own beliefs. Why do I want to believe that that is true? What am I getting out of it? Are there other beliefs that are holding it up that yeah. I think are necessary? Are there... Um, I've asked people that question. I've said in a different way. I said, why do you want to stay asleep? You're sleeping and you're comfortable sleeping and that's fine. Doing the podcast for people who struggle with sex addiction, that's a big part of my journey with them. Is The reason that you're stuck and your behavior owns you is because you have these beliefs and even your your worldview of God 
has you feeling shame, has you feeling like you're hiding, living a secret life. Um, all those things have to do with unconsciousness or how they process that belief, right? Yeah, so what I've been engaging with and what I would encourage everybody here to do and everybody in the podcast to do is start to explore those beliefs. You don't even have to move them much. You just kind of vibrate them in place against the other beliefs around them. Mm-hmm. And, and start asking everyone that you encounter, why do I want to believe that? Not why do I believe that. Why do I want to believe that? That's going to help you because one of the things that I've noticed and that I experienced in my own life was that I got to a place in my life where my core set of beliefs was a house of cards built upon certain things. Right. And, and kind of the low layer, I was not willing... To examine. To examine, but I was working on a lot of the middle layer. Right. And things were super shaky because I was realizing that a lot of those don't stand on their own. Right. You end up with like, oh, I, so I growing up in, in a very conservative Christian background, I grew up with a lot of the standard conservative Christian beliefs, and I really started, que- and I grew up in the Midwest, and I was just conservative, red state, young and grew up just accepting everything my parents taught me and I realized a lot of that holds together when I started expanding my thoughts I realized that I was having a hard time struggling with unraveling some of those beliefs but they don't they don't exist in a vacuum they don't just stand on their own and so one of the things about rattling them is if you haven't built a good structure you your Jenga tower falls down real easy. Right. And that's where I think people's real sensitivity gets involved. Right. And somebody right now going, I need to turn this podcast off. <laughs> so so I, was oh, <laughs> I was messing with mine for a long time leading up to circumstances in my life spiraling out of crazy control all all outside my control. And that whole house of cards collapsed to a place where there was almost nothing left and I had to start over saying I literally don't have almost anything to hold to. I'm going to start putting pieces back together by choice now with what I know and understand today because I got too, I tried so hard to hold it all together for so long that when it collapsed it was spectacular. So there's groups that do this. That is a great place to be by the way. It is an awesome place to be. Well that was a place a while ago now. Right. That was a good still a good place oh, to be. I tell it, it was glad. miserable. I've said that in so many recovery groups. But it was free. I just feel like everything I know is just falling apart. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> now we can start. That's great. You know, it's a scary place to be. It is. It but is. Fucking getting scary. out of it is amazing. Chuck. Yeah. So I've decided that I just need to be more forceful to interrupt you fuckers. <laughs> you yes. Go. Yes. We're too so, late. So, so shut finally. Shut the fuck up and listen. He just questioned so his belief that he should yeah. be polite. So <laughs> Yeah, four seconds. Fuck that for you. So that was a core. No, not even a core. Anyway, go for it. Um, so there's groups that do this. Um, okay. And what I'm getting from you, Derek, is that you have you have beliefs that you just in your heart believe, and you have beliefs from your parents, right? Or grandparents, or whoever the hell it is we're growing up. So I grew up in the East Coast. Um, went to school in a really, 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 really small town of Grove City, Pennsylvania. Great school. Even better, the fact that the Amish people lived really close by. And they have rum springs. 
Uh, Rumspringa <laughs> is the time where they kick everybody out right. of the group, and it's adopt. You you either <laughs> adopt our beliefs or your exile. Now it's not a great so you know, structure <laughs> to uh, you know figure out if that's what you want to believe or There's not. There's some hot Amish girls yeah. of Rumspringa, and, and they <laughs> and they party like nobody. Oh, I, I mean, it's the parties imagine. that are there that just come on. These kids have been working since they've been ten, and they got lots of money. Um, but they either choose to come back and believe the the stuff that they believe, or they don't. And so that's and that's where I'm just tracking with you on this. Is it's okay? So I have all these beliefs, so I have all these cards that I may look at them as core beliefs. And as soon as I start to move one, okay, that some of the shit falls down in my structure. Oh wait, I'm okay. It, I didn't wait. I didn't need any of the shit either. Right. And, and I mean, these aren't. And it's only in your head, yeah. right? There's no real-world consequences yet. It's just in your head, right? It's it's just so so. It you haven't died. You haven't been hurt, right? It doesn't become real until you choose to act on those. So the exploration is like there's no there's no consequence, right? Well, I think where there's like there real is. real consequences from a mental health perspective is is one thing we touched on when we spoke this weekend was. You know, one one question I've had is is to what degree is a certain faith construct an impediment to mental health and to good mental health? So if you grow up and you're indoctrinated and it's just in you that you're a sinner, you're broken, lean not on your own understanding, you know you're wicked, no one is righteous, not even one. You know, basically like proof text of all these verses, yeah. the Bible right. that are nailed into your head, <clears throat> totally deplorable, d- totally depraved. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't give you a lot of freedom to explore other options because you can't lean on your own understanding. You can't trust yourself. You're wicked. Uh, so anything outside of your faith narrative might be suspect or you might, oh, whoa, like, what am I doing? Is this too um, new agey or is it too not Christian? Just from a certain construct, even for a fairly, like, I've encountered some of that and I haven't been conservative <laughs> In years, but but it's sticky. Like those those kind of things still stick with you, you know. That's where some of the risk is when you start to question the core beliefs and dismantle them. Steve, you've been real quiet. What do you think about that? I'm just I'm sucking it all in because I have been there. I mean, my my cage is rattled. Oh, yeah. How so? Just questioning beliefs. I was talking with our uh, my pastor for a minute, just a minute on Sunday. And I pull up to him as he's putting out a sign, and I go, "Yes, does this church preach heresy?" And he looks at me. Where do you goes, go? Port Gardner. Yes, it does. Yeah, that's what he said. That's what he did. He says, "Absolutely, there's not a church in the city that doesn't preach heresy." Yeah. So we got a chance to talk, and I said, "Yeah, that's where I am. And I'm thinking a lot. I'm thinking about the stuff that I've, I'm questioning a lot." And I said, "Because one of the things I come across is, if your faith cannot withstand questions, then it's not a faith." And there's a dead silence in a conversation. At yeah. least it's, it's not. not it's not a congruous faith. It's not a yeah. strong faith. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Right. Well, that, I think it begs well, the question: Why is faith important in the first place? You say strong faith. So is can I strengthen it? Can I work it out? <laughs> no, but that so. Yes and no. Yeah. I I mean there are, there are some. So this is where we get into predictive beliefs versus explanatory beliefs. So did you guys all watch that video I sent to you about falsifiability? Mm-hmm. Not yet. It was good. 
Okay. I haven't yet. So the basic idea is that there are many beliefs that have explanatory power, but no predictive power. So, like Mark, the, the in the video they use the example of Marxism, Marxism and um, and Freud. Like if you look at past events through those lenses, it can explain every single one of them, but it has no power to predict what will happen next. And that is the beauty of science. Science has predictability power because there are statements within it that are falsifiable, is the term, falsifiable, in which you can say, so somebody makes a predicting, pre prediction um, in science and you can look at that and say, if that is true, I can do this and it will happen in the future. And if you do that and it does not happen in the future, that is, that means it was falsifiable. You could actually prove that it was false. And so many belief systems, the reason we get so frustrated with them is that they have all the explanatory <laughs> power. They have no predictive power, which is where people struggle, like Arthur struggle with Christianity. Like, you believe this, you can explain all this past that's happened. It's not fucking working. Like, no, Jesus I, is coming back soon, right? <laughs> right, like, soon. Any day. Like, whatever word that means. Any day. Like, look, or 2,000 years later, or he's we're still on soon. Or yeah. he's come back. One day is a thousand, Arthur. I see that, I see that bumper sticker a lot. <laughs> Jesus is coming back for 2,000 years. Yeah, look so, busy, right? Like he's, <laughs> Jesus is coming back and he is pissed. So then, you, so, so then you take that to the logical extreme oh, and you yeah. say, which is where a lot of people in the generation are going, is I will not believe anything unless it has predictive power. So they run to science and say, my faith is science because I will not believe something yeah. unless you unless there's a way for me to prove that it won't happen, right? Yeah. Um, but you, there's which, always then there, then you get into theory and you can right. chase it all the way down to like string theory. But then, like but that. we're still in the real world, so okay. there's no pure. Well, like that is comforting, right? That feels comforting. But ultimately, if you're making all the decisions, I'm only going to make a decision based on things that have predictive power. That means you're only living an incredibly linear life that basically you turns yourself into a computer. Even science says, if I aim a gun at your head and shoot you, you're probably going to die. Right. But sometimes you're going to live. Sometimes that bullet's going to go right through the middle of your forehead and go between your hemispheres of your brain and miss anything important and you'll still be alive. Yeah. So when science, science makes room for that. And so <clears throat> their declaration is, is that shooting someone in the head is really bad for them and usually results in death, but it doesn't always. And then people get frustrated <laughs> with science because why isn't it absolute? Why isn't it definitive? Well, yeah. because there's a pathway yeah, right? in the head that doesn't kill you, that's why. Yeah. And science or some says, have guns misfire. And science says we live in a world that has constants but no absolutes. Mm -hmm. One plus one equals two today. And as far as we yes. can tell, as it has as in the past. There is no guarantee when you wake up tomorrow that one plus one will equal two. Yeah. And so people ask, what is true? And we say that is as close to truth as we can get. There are no absolute truths. And that, that's what people mean when they say that. There are no guarantees of tomorrow. There are only things that have held up to the trial of time so far. We do not live in a world of absolutes. Right. Reality does not manifest itself in that way. And where John and I, and where I've really started to explore this is, um, if that is true and there are no absolutes, 
absolutes only exist in the human brain. And all of our trauma and difficulty come when we run up against those absolutes and try to and try to force reality to meet those absolutes and it never will and that is your anxiety and that is your discontentment and that is your frustration, frustration and that is and that is where humorous <clears throat> nihilism is powerful can't you say that absolutes live outside of this reality. what we know as far yes. as this reality right uh, so so they but so, you might have a subject so the beauty of this statement that there are no absolutes is it is falsifiable <laughs> it is yeah, because it the is. moment you discover an absolute uh, it, it is a false statement so and and actually it is an it is probably untrue with one exception and this is what John and I poked, poked up came to you the other day. There is one absolute in this life that we come up against, and that is death. And taxes. But, it, <laughs> but it's not, so, but it's taxes not when you're dead. But My wife and I talked about this the other day. If you're super rich or super poor, you don't pay taxes. Donald Trump, man. <laughs> he's just smart. Yeah. <laughs> no, he pays taxes. He doesn't pay the amount he's not smart. He pays He hedges. But death is an absolute, though, either. Because well, isn't, isn't there somebody in the Bible that was it not Lazarus? No, so this it is was him. Then, but, didn't die. He was just he was ascended. Yeah, it, he was. So a, the story you know, goes. That's fine. So, but I believe that the Bible's true. So I'm going to. What does that mean? Take this to a direction that Arthur's going to be. Because there's about. a difference between historicity and truth, right? Okay. So so, so it, it's true, and maybe who it's pointing to, what it's teaching you. But it's not necessarily, that doesn't mean that the truth being put forth is necessarily historical. I believe it's historical. So you think that... That portion of the... Because the way it's written is, at least in the... The English translation. It was Elijah... One of the thousands Enoch. Enoch was taken up in Enoch. Enoch, that's right. It was Enoch. There he is. The... I was bugging. And it could be so we're going to the book it, of Genesis. Michael Douglas. Yes. No, Michael it's just, Douglas. So-and-so was born. So-and-so had these kids. So-and-so died, you know, at a ripe age of a million. So-and-so was born. So-and-so had kids. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. And so on. And then it was just, they got to him, and it was no more. So. Not that he grew, you know, he, nobody grew old. They just fucking died. He just, so he didn't die. He just ended into heaven. So the question to engage with is, is the Bible absolutely true? <laughs> so, uh, yes. And you wonder why it's sitting on your Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Okay. It is. It is absolutely true. However, there are things that... So are, take that, that, go that the belief. <laughs> oh, I've, start, I've rattled it. I've rattled <laughs> that. Because <clears throat> there is a lot of stuff that you read in the Bible and it's just like, holy shit. However, yes, it is absolutely true. Well, okay. well but actually, mind, why, why do you need it to be? I don't, I don't, I didn't say I needed it to be. Now, I. Why do you want it to be? Why do I want it to be? Because. There's some grounding in there, right? No, let's let Chuck sit No. The, For me, that's what I'm, so I'm kind of going with this, too. Mm-hmm. I believe the Bible's true. I, do I believe it's absolutely true? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm well, I, I think about, ahead, let me I, think. But I, I make that distinction between, again, historical and yeah. true. They're two different things. I mean, you, you take the mustard seed, for example. Jesus was using a metaphor. 
Jesus speaks in metaphor a lot. Yes. When he said mustard seed is the small seed, he was metaphor. And if the book speed. of Jonah didn't begin with the preface saying this is a parable and not a historical story, yeah. then one wouldn't feel obliged to believe it as history. Yeah. Right? But it doesn't, so people and do believe it as history. And Exactly. Same thing with the book of Job and things that sort of have like a more fantastic... And there's people that, that take the book of Job and say, what if the book of Job is more than one lifetime, too? That'll blow... I don't blow a lot of theologians' minds. Like, like, this is an argument among theologians. Like when he got, I wonder if like his 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 new daughters were hotter than the first ones. You know, when when he got. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So this is the direction I'm going with this question. Hold you on, guys let me answer your question. Oh yeah, goodbye. <clears throat> so I another shadow. I speaking. want yeah right. <laughs> Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. So I. I I want the Bible to be absolutely true because then there is a line in the sand that we have to quote-unquote live up to. Now, we are also told that we are never going to live up to that standard. The reason I need that line in the sand, though, is because then Joe will be punished for all the bullshit that I have to go through. Mm -hmm. That's not correct either. Yeah. But this is real, though. This but this is, this yeah, is what this you is want. This, this, this is why I want to hear. Yeah, because when you wrong me, you're going to get your own. So let me, universe... let me run this by you. He believes in Jesus. Never gets punished. You cool with that? No. Well, that's what the Bible says. I understand. The problem I don't... The problem I'm not cool with that, though, is because Jesus was punished for that. I don't want Jesus to be punished for that. I want Joe to be punished for that. That's um, not how it works. I understand. Joe is already punished for that, though. I think that's what the sin is its own. <clears throat> sin is its own. To to use Paul Young's term, sin is its own punishment. God doesn't need to punish us for that because it rains down our own punishment. Can I? Does that make sense? Can I go to where I've been running with? Yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So I've chosen to put on and explore the belief that God is perfect, but he is only perfect outside of this reality. And it, and in order to engage with humans, he must do so in an imperfect manner because this world is imperfect. So so God in this universe as he interacts with us is not perfect. And that is why everything is fucked up. So if you understand, like, Chuck, look at this, <coughs> laminar theory, yeah. like, a bunch of particles are moving in one direction at the same velocity and the exact same direction, and they move smoothly. You'll see this, like, in water, right? It's like, yep. It looks like a clear glass. <coughs> you take one speck of dirt and throw it in that, it causes turbulence. It causes one particle to bump into another, which bumps into another, which bumps into another. So God must speak into reality and imperfections and because he cannot do that perfectly everything is fucked up not not because he not it wasn't caused by god but god is not able to engage us in a place that is perfect because because he cannot he cannot touch this reality and that was what i'm exploring right now that was the purpose of jesus jesus was not perfect Jesus was had a human body. Yeah. And you know what perfect does not do? Perfect doesn't fucking die. 
and or that. Or take a really nasty dump. Well, well let's, let's talk we, about We were talking about that because Richard Moore, yeah. like one thing I heard him say is, you know, the incarnation, Jesus, the God who shits. So, but what if Jesus... Like, think about that paradox. I mean, really. Uh-huh. What know? if Jesus didn't come to set a balance straight, to even the scales, to make atonement, to justify the wrath? What if Jesus came to say... I only interact you with you in imperfection, and here is the ultimate demonstration of that. Yeah. I am not Superman. Yeah. See, where's the demonstration of love? A demonstration, love is, let me no, show you what love. A demonstration of imperfection. I mean, and how much, where's the love? Yeah. Not where's the love in that? How much, look at the love in that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's the... So God is perfect, and he is going to put on this wretched body to come into this world and interact with us. That's love at the definition. I mean, it's, come on, I can't, I have a struggle with loving my ex-wife because she did the, you know, because she left me for another woman. I mean, come on. That's nothing. To come, to leave perfect, to come into this world and, you know, show us that love. It's awesome. But the reality is, the thing that I've realized living this life it's easy to die for someone. It's way harder to live for someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Christians will get fucking pissed at me for saying that. <laughs> I said and that's, 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 that's the truth. So, like, hold on. But I, but I want to go to the idea of the idea that the Bible is historically true. One of my heroes who's still a Christian is Peter Enns. He was he was a professor at Westminster uh, Westminster Seminary, uh, which is the seminary that was feeding pastors into the denomination that I left, that my wife got kicked out of, and he got kicked out of Westminster Seminary. He was put on trial for a book he wrote called Inspiration and Incarnation. He was an Old Testament scholar. He concluded it's virtually impossible to believe that the Old Testament is historically true through any scholarship that we have today, looking at what the rest of the evidence of history says, all the other books we have, all the other records we have, to believe that the, that the Old Testament is actually historically true. There's so much archaeological evidence that calls so much into question. I mean, even the kings of the Old Testament had no kingdoms, archaeologically speaking. But the problem with this... Hold on. But he wrote a book where he basically said... That must mean that the purpose of the Bible, because he's still a Christian, the purpose of the Bible being written the way that it was is to communicate something else. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's not theology. Well, it because and he, got, and, he, and he got kicked out of Westminster Seminary <laughs> while while being <laughs> exonerated for breaking the rules that they were holding him accountable to. So he was. He was found innocent of the charges he was put on trial for and still asked to leave. But that, and, and I think what he would say, and I found myself more or less agreeing with, is that speaks to that incarnational story that Chuck is resonating with and finding beautiful, is, is that God would even condescend and accommodate to a culture, an ancient Near Eastern culture that's prone to militaristic propaganda yeah. Through conquest narratives, even like we know the David and Goliath story is a bit of propaganda to sort of embellish David's greatness. You know, we have uh, the Exodus story. I mean, you have two million people going through the desert uh, without any, 
leave, without leaving anything behind, it, it's highly unlikely that that was the case. If it did happen, it was probably more like 30,000, 20,000 people. And it, wandering in a desert for 40 years that's not big enough it's to not wander big, in, yeah, unless was, you're going around in circles. Well, except for the fact that they, were, you, they were polite like so I was and I interrupting. Um, <laughs> they left and they get to wherever it is, a passing or whatever, and they write to the little town and say, may we pass through? And how long does that take? And then it comes back, no, you may not. And they camp there for a while. Maybe they did that a couple of times. Yes, you have to. There's you a lot could. of speculation you have to. But, yes. but, so, but that, that lack of, his, of historic, or historical accuracy, in some ways, makes it more beautiful yes. from a certain way of well, looking at it. But, if, you, but if you're white-knuckling it, you need it to be true, you need it to be historically accurate, because it's God-breathed, i.e. God wrote a book, i.e. it was dictated, yeah. you, you know, th- th- that I might not be able to help you, but, but coming away from it thinking that having it with an open hand that God used frail, broken people to... Like, like I, I think, I don't know if it was N's who originated this idea, basically that God tells his story through his children, through baby talk. I think that's beautiful. If God enters the world through the ancient Near East, through a nomadic, Semitic group of people, and tells his story through them, bringing them into revelation of himself gradually over time, I think that's a beautiful story. It's a more beautiful story than, in my opinion, than God like you know dictated something word for word yeah so here's the core of where i was when i wanted the bible to be um what's the term they use inerrant inerrant yes what does inerrant mean uh, without, without error, error. Without error. which they usually will say in the original <laughs> writing yeah yeah they're trying to hold on it was invented in 1978 mm-hmm. so basically um it was where i wanted to go with it was I had, there was one absolute that I was aware of from a small child, and that was death. Mm. And death was the only absolute, that was the first absolute that I had comprehended. Right? And you see this when you talk, when you explain death to a child, because it takes a long time for them to what the fuck does that even mean? Like, and that is terrifying. And what humans like to do is fight death like that's like the like John was pointing out like science like the ultimate goal is to fight death right like yeah. I, I want to yeah. kill death I got and so the human beings realized if death is the only absolute the only thing that can kill an absolute is another absolute so I need to start collecting absolutes and turning them into weapons so I'm going to grab this absolute here and put it inside me and grab this absolute put it inside me and grab this absolute put it inside me so when the moment of death comes I have a whole quiver of weapons, and I'm just going to start throwing that shit at death and hope that one of them sticks. The problem is, if you hold an absolute inside of you as a belief, it's caustic. It is corrosive. It will. It's carcinogenic. It's radioactive, and it will eat you up from the inside out. And the more you have, the more it eats and eats and eats and turns you into a miserable person. So that is where the beauty of living in the color and not in the black and the white comes in. And I've come to the point where I've decided I will no longer engage the absolutes. I will choose to not... Absolutely. But you'll come up with... Yeah, absolutely. So it's not true because death is still there. But I'll, so I'll challenge that. True. I'll challenge that a little bit because you'll come up with narratives, though, that like, like the, the spectrum, which I thought was beautiful. That's true, Right. This is where we get into truth. No. So I throw out the, 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 
true is an absolute statement throughout the world word truth. Well, you get like into science. Like if you break down, you split. There is some process. White this light. is just the process. <laughs> it's just to do that. Like that's what it does. No, but see, I like thing. Science I'm, doesn't say say true. absolute truth. No, no. Science says there's constants, and then right. it's assumed. Yeah. Con- it's an assumed constant. So, for instance, like gravity is an assumed constant based on what we've observed yes. about there mass. Is gravity today. Gravity like, exists. May not be we don't understand the mechanism fully by which it works. But we observe. We don't understand the mechanism by which it works. We we observe that measuring mass and its gravitational pull is yeah. a constant. Yeah. That is a constant with predictive power. Right. The speed of light yeah. was a constant. Right. Now we realized it's mostly a constant. <laughs> there are factors that alter it. And so, so that is the that is the <laughs> argument of science versus religion. Science says, science definition of true is not the same definition that religion is using. Right. And those butt up against each other. And that is where but all the and faith are still very, very Well, wait, close. though. No, they're, they're, not. they're not. They're not. No. That's what we're talking about. Because, and that video touches on it. Like, I've joked right. before, and, and you know, um, I, like, through doing my own explorations, have embraced, well, I, <laughs> I, there was one confusing thing for me when I was at Mars Hill. It's like I came out of the closet as a theistic evolutionist, you know, and I have been for a long time. It's like, you know, you guys going to call me a heretic or run me out? And they, I was right. surprised when they didn't. I wasn't. But really... they started their engine on you. <laughs> See that? Pulled it's, that right in. The sound gone. effect. But Derek hit the sound effect button on the computer. And but that's, I, I, that's going crazy <laughs> right now. I joked. I joked before. It's actually not not even like really joking. Is is um. Is evolution isn't something you believe. It's either something you understand or it's something you don't. It doesn't require belief. So it's some, because it has predictive power. Correct. And, and the same thing with theory. Oh, it's just a theory. No, a working theory means that there's evidence and demonstrative evidence to lend support to the theory. It basically says, you know, we don't have all the answers, but based on everything we know now, this is the way it works. That doesn't mean that a hundred years well, from now, have, 50 years from now, you have conflicting theories and like, you know, you get into quantum physics and then... That's or, just because we don't have enough data yet. Right. But you yes. say the same thing about things. Right. But, but the you're still able physics, to make a predictive... People drop on the quantum physics, like, Seth was driving me crazy with right. quantum physics yeah. last week. Like, quantum physics is like, just got birthed. Right. Yeah. Like, all we do is we know it exists, and we're just starting to find ways to measure it. Yeah. We're not even measuring it frequently right now. We're finding ways to measure it. Yeah. But the fact that we can do that is interesting. But but it's it's making the an important distinction between a hypothesis and a theory. Those are yes. two very different yeah. ideas. I guess maybe some of this is language or... It's important language. Semantics. Yeah. It's so I listen to... Uh, I listen to... Uh, philosophy at Oxford and Marianne Talbot is a philosophy professor at Oxford so doing the podcast over the years I started listening because I listen, I drive all day so I listen to stuff and I listened to that that uh, this whole semester there was parts of it I didn't like and I didn't listen to a bunch of times but I listened to it multiple times I actually sent her an email there's two classes that changed my life that I listened to that was one of them That's a philosophy at Oxford and social psychology at Berkeley. Those two classes were life-changing. Wow. So part of my my view of the word faith and belief, like, don't tell me what you believe. I'm not... Belief, you know, 
porn addicts, me having conversations with porn addicts over the years, it's, it's interesting you bring up uh, the, the seminary there in Westminster. I had a professor who, somebody, I don't know if he's a professor, he's just a very educated dude, started arguing with me theology based on the catechism, Westminster Catechism. I think I said something really offensive, like, if you think you're any better than the drug-addicted male prostitute on your corner, you're, you're in error. If you think you're undeserving or more deserving of love or less deserving of love than that guy. And so he just tried to <laughs> start an argument with me. And that's where I went to, I don't care what you believe. Your beliefs are incongruent with your behavior. So let's talk about what's real. That's, that's not true. Their beliefs are congruent with their behavior, but their beliefs fluctuate constantly. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, and that's so, what I was trying to so get So that to. action came from a belief that they held. Maybe they only held it for a second. Yeah. And then they acted on it, and then they realized, oh, shit, that doesn't meet up with all the rest of my beliefs. But that action is there. My like, belief right now is I have a huge erection and this chick on my computer screen's hot. That's what yeah. I believe right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I liked how you... Put those absolutes as uh, being, yeah. Damn it! There's a lot of dead silence right now. That's good. <laughs> Let it sit. Let Your it processing, sit. buddy. Your processing. Right. Uh, being caustic or the, toxic. Yeah. The, but so nuclear has a half life, right? Which means that that absolute is yes, it's being, you know, caustic in your life, but it's also being decorated. And so it, eventually, you're going to come to a point where it's like, wait a second, A, this is, doesn't hold weight anymore, B, it's affecting me negatively, and that's not good, which means it can be removed. Right. Do you know what happens faster than the half-life of nuclear material? Sex. Yeah. <laughs> Sex and death. <laughs> Two things kind of drive me a lot. <laughs> no, wait, no, nobody's sitting next to nuclear waste where the Geiger counter is going off the chart and they're like, well, at least it's going to decay. <laughs> no, however, no, we do, though. I mean, we do. I did. Come on, I've been sitting with this... I've been sitting next to the fucking China syndrome for a lot of years. What's the China syndrome? Years. What's that? The, the nuclear plant. It was a nuclear plant. The, okay. the, the core was exposed. Okay, yeah, and yeah. So... It, in nuclear plants, they flood it with water because water's going to protect all the radiation from escaping. Is that why you have three nipples? I'm kidding, go on, sorry. I have four. <laughs> uh, but, I've been, but caustically, I've been sitting next to the nuclear plant absorbing all of the radiation for the past 20 years. I've been doing it willingly. I've been trying to sit next to it as close as I fucking can. So the, the reason an absolute is caustic is because it will always steal your happiness and your contentment. Yeah. yeah. It will if so so this is where but if you believe it's an absolute I think he's on or if you have faith yeah. in the absolute. So so let's go back to Adam and Eve. Okay. okay. <clears throat> I wanted to bring Steve into this cuz Steve brought up a thing last week about anger and caring that that is really interesting. I see the world in layers. Yeah, uh, but anyway, go go ahead. So let's we'll, we'll come back to that. I've re just soak it all this in. <laughs> I've re-explored the story of Adam and Eve. Okay. Okay. So what if before, or what if Adam and Eve before the fall, or whatever you want to call that, just did not have the power to conceive of absolutes? 
They didn't have the part of their brain that was capable of concepts of absolutes, right? Yeah. And what if the tree of the knowledge of good and evil wasn't the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It was the tree of the knowledge of perfect and imperfect. Before that point, they had no concepts of any absolutes. Right. And God had told them, uh, if you eat of that tree, you will die. And he might as well have said, if you eat of that tree, you will blah, 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 blah. Because die was a meaningless word. Yeah. Right? Did not have any meaning because they couldn't conceive of absolutes. And Eve goes up to that tree and for the first time engages in absolute. The part of her brain woke up that could conceive in absolutes and she said, fuck, that is scary. I need something to fight that. And she turned and she looked at God and said, God can fight that. And then she conceived of a second absolute but it was not a second scary, imperfect absolute. It was a second perfect absolute. And then she looked at herself. Because what immediately happened after, after they ate of the fruit is they were ashamed. Because all of a sudden they had a perfect and they had themselves. And the shame... What did God say first? Who told you you were naked? Right. <laughs> right. And, like, and maybe he was asking, how did you conceive of the idea of naked. You should not know what naked is. You should not know what death is who broke you. And ever since then we have been broken because we refuse to not deal with the absolutes. We refuse to just live in the color. We refuse to just live in reality. And we must always think black, white, perfect, Imperfect, and it makes us miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that dualistic black and white thing. Because we cannot ever get there. That is not the reality we inhabit. We only inhabit the reality of now. Like, if you understand black and white, you understand that black is just nothing. There's no light hitting your eyes, so your brain puts a, a thing there. And white is the same thing. White is your brain freaking out. It doesn't actually see why the color white it just sees static and your brain has to make something up to put that there there is no black there is no white in this reality so why do we insist on saying that there is this is the end of part one on meaning and nihilism so punk motherfucking rock right thanks for listening to punk fucking theology find us on facebook under punk theology pub don't forget to subscribe as not to miss part 2 or miss any other shows. Become a co-producer to support Punk Theology and PunkTheology.com so you don't have to hear any more cheap quality free shit. Thank you for listening. B. T. W. The paid versions of Natural Reader have many more features. Cheap as punk fucking theologians.